It is Friday, September 4th, 2020, and you are listening to the Federalist Forum, a constitutional think tank for every patriotic American. Today on the Federalist Forum, I'm going to share a spine-chilling example of exactly how some of the most incompetent Democrats have gotten into office. As always, I will have some tangible facts that will open your eyes to the roadmap that Democrats are using and how the GOP is failing to confront it. Coming up next on the Federalist Forum. Good afternoon and welcome to the Federalist Forum. I'm your host Tom. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast that's become a popular resource for conservative truth and activism. The podcast where we don't ignore the importance of truth in details and the accountability that goes with the cause and effect in politics. Wow, friends, it has been a nutty week. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who said it felt like waking up today with a news hangover. I can't think of a better way to describe the feeling of having to unpack the volatility that's been in the news this week. First, it is great to see the family of Aaron Danielson receive some justice. Danielson, as you probably know, was the Trump supporter who was assassinated in the streets of Portland last Saturday. His scumbag Antifa killer was poetically gunned down by U.S. Marshals late last night in a small town outside of Seattle after he fled Portland and went into hiding for almost a week before doing an interview with Vice News, which ironically, while that interview was taped earlier in the day, it aired at nearly the same time federal agents were closing in on the loser. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name because he's irrelevant trash and now he's dead trash. Thank you to the U.S. Marshals for not only taking this violent punk off the streets, but also for saving taxpayers millions in what would inevitably been expenses to provide for his defense and prison time. This brings me to the point of my show today, the meat of what I want to get into. Cities that are out of control, states that are out of control, and how politicians like Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, or that pathetic wretch Kate Brown, Oregon's governor, get elected into office. Now, I'm going to point to another state of recent turmoil as an example, because the tangible facts, the roadmap really of how this happened, is available in black and white. I'm going to lay out for you exactly how someone like Wisconsin's governor, Tony Evers, got elected, and how the Democrat Party stacked the deck. I'll preface this with the fact that while I haven't found anything necessarily illegal in what they did, it is terribly unethical, and we know that Democrats are rife with unethical, disgusting, and deceitful behavior. So what happened in Wisconsin in its 2018 gubernatorial election is exactly why every office, especially the local races, are critical. It's why we need the GOP to get off their asses and start running candidates in so many of these races that run unopposed. These local officials, the city and county levels, can affect the outcome of state and national elections. And that is exactly what happened in Wisconsin in 2018, and undoubtedly it's happened in other states. These local officials can, without the vote of their residents, place particular referendums on a ballot that they know will drive a desired voter turnout in a very specific area, effectively getting intellectually crippled hacks like Tony Evers into office. In 2018 in Wisconsin, in the midterms, which were also the state gubernatorial elections, Tony Evers defeated incumbent Scott Walker by less than 30,000 votes. It was a shock for many. Walker was wildly popular in Wisconsin, having been twice elected and even surviving a recall attempt on him. In fact, Scott Walker was the first governor in United States history to survive a recall effort of a governor's position. So how did he get beat by that narrow margin? Well, cause and effect. And I talked about this in a recent podcast, how cause and effect working it backwards and figuring out exactly what happened. Well, the Democrats needed higher turnout. 
And they did that in a two-pronged way that shut out the voices of nearly 80% of the state's 72 counties. A referendum was put on the ballot in only 16 of Wisconsin's 72 counties. That in effect was nothing more than an opinion poll. It was an advisory referendum, which basically means it's not a vote for any official policy change, but just to gather information. Now, most people wouldn't understand what and maybe the difference is between an advisory referendum and an actual one, but it really doesn't matter because it wasn't even listed on the ballot as an advisory referendum. It was just listed as a referendum. So anybody that's just listening to the information out there that they're being fed and seeing this referendum thought it was a question to make a policy change. And this is why it's so important that real factual information gets out there. Now, the referendum, as it appeared in Milwaukee County, stated this. Do you favor allowing adults 21 years of age and older to engage in the personal use of marijuana while also regulating commercial marijuana-related activities and imposing a tax on the sale of marijuana? Now, I know this is a measure that, you know, for many conservatives, they favor it as well, but that is irrelevant to what happened here because the intent of the question wasn't to legalize anything. It was to drive Democrats to the polls to get Tony Evers elected, and that's exactly what it did. Now, it's how they did it and how they controlled who would be going to the polls that is the shady part. First, remember that I said it was, you know, this was only asked in 16 of Wisconsin's counties, only 20% of them. But it was the impact of those 16 counties that, field, that sealed Scott Walker's fate. Now, to be fair, it was added evenly to eight predominantly blue counties and eight predominantly red counties, but it truly wasn't fair at all. Four of those blue counties are in the top ten populace of the state, including the top two, Milwaukee and Dane County, where Madison is located, while four of the red counties were in the bottom ten populace of the state, and most of them were in the, in the bottom 20% of the state's population entirely. In fact, if you look at the total populations of the counties who were asked this referendum, the eight blue counties have a total population of almost 3 million, while the eight red counties had a total population of only 700,000. This means that even if every single eligible voter in the red counties came out and voted, Evers only needed 25% of the blue counties to turn out. Now, mind you, the numbers I gave you are total populace and not eligible voters, but relative to the population, the point stands. The deck was heavily stacked in Evers' favor. And this did, in fact, drive voter turnout. It was up 17% in Milwaukee and 14% in the Madison area. Those, I mean, those are huge increases in voter turnout. And they have it in the two most populated and two most liberal areas of the state where this referendum was asked. So the depths of this deceit go further. Because if you look at the areas the question was asked, it was done so in each of the state's counties with the highest concentration of colleges including the University of Wisconsin and Madison, UW-Milwaukee, UW-La Crosse, UW-Eau Claire, UW-Green Bay, UW-Stevens Point, UW-Whitewater, and UW-Parkside. The Democrats used a topic that appealed to college-age kids and then only asked it in the areas of that populace, which accelerated voter turnout in these areas and pretty much cornered the college vote, leaving it unopposed by 80% of the state's rural counties. What's even more disgusting is that they also put the ballot uh, it put the referendum on the ballot in the city of Waukesha, but not on the county ballot. So it drove turnout in a highly liberal city, but relied on average turnout in the rural area of the county, which Walker won by 40 points. This, this is an example of what Democrats will do to the country if given absolute control. This is the exact way in which they want to circumvent the concept of the Electoral College. 
that provides for fairness from the majority imposing their will on the minority in the whole of a governed area. Wisconsin, Tony Evers is in Wisconsin's governor mansion because the Democratic Party effectively dangled a carrot in front of liberal voters, a carrot that turned out to be a shoe in reality. It wasn't a legitimate effort to legalize marijuana. It was an opinion poll, but it was an effective one for Democrats. Tony Evers is in the governor's mansion where he continues to screw the state up because the Democrats defrauded the state's electorate. Patriots, this is why we need to vote in every election. These local governments, largely Democratic, were able to affect the outcome of the state. And by the time the GOP realized what was going on, it was too late to try and counter it. Elections have consequences. We've all heard that. And it is no more true than the case of Evers. We need to vote in every election. We need to push our state Republican parties, or even independents, to run candidates against the incumbents in unopposed seats. If it seems like a long shot, you know, even so, there is no way to gather momentum and take these areas back if we don't start somewhere. I imagine if you look at your own state, in hindsight, and shuffle through referendums in particular, you may find some of the same unethical and dishonest tactics. This wasn't an experiment by Democrats. It was essentially gerrymandering. It manipulated the boundaries of where this question would be asked and who would turn out to vote to it. And essentially, those turned out to be largely liberal voters who would then vote for Evers and not Scott Walker. Voter turnout in Wisconsin's 2018 midterms was 5% higher than the previous gubernatorial election. And almost all of that was driven by the Milwaukee and Madison areas, uh, which is that in itself was driven by that shady and controlled referendum. Deceptive behavior isn't exclusive to Democrats, but it certainly has become a practice that is willfully pandemic among their ranks. Call them duplicitous, call them Machiavellian, either are just words to simply call Democrats what they are, manipulative liars. If we don't get off of our asses and start playing by the same rules, or the same lack of rules, we're going to lose this country. For anyone who has been sleeping in the past four years, there is no high road anymore, not if you want to save America. We have watched Democrats act in deceit for four years. Remember Adam Schiff telling America he had undeniable proof of Russian collusion? That, that pathetic liar and, and how the, just, the Democrats jumped on that bandwagon and didn't shut up about it for three and a half years? They do this with everything. The duplicity, the way they change the rules when they are losing the game. Remember how the Democrats, you know, how they demonized corporate America? But then people like Cory Booker would get on TV and say Walmart should use its power to stop selling guns in its stores until politicians and gun manufacturers get their acts together and blah, blah, blah about the guns. Well, it was a deliberate call for corporate invention and public policy, and it resulted in decisions by retailers like Walmart to enact strong, stronger gun control policies in their stores. Now, here again, Democrats, uh, you know, they use their own aversion to a policy to influence their weaponization of the same policy. You know, antithetical to their support of gun control efforts, you know, by proxy of corporate voice. You can bet that if Walmart announced they would stop selling the morning after pill out of public conscience, these same politicians would be attacking them for using their power of profits to influence public policy. Of course, when it works for them, it's great. It's you know, The Democrats stand on the righteous plat platforms to criticize what they say is the unfair practice of gerrymandering votes by Republicans. But then they go on to do the very same thing in places like Wisconsin in plain sight. Uh, in hindsight, it's been clear. And now we have a governor who panders to criminals and anarchists while vilifying those who stand up for the Constitution and the rule of law. We have a governor who victimizes criminals like Jacob Blake while criminalizing victims like Kyle Rittenhouse.
we have governors, like so many blue states, who have destroyed state economies in the last six months. Now, I don't know what more it's going to take for the whole of our population to realize how dangerous and dishonest Democrats are to everybody, including their own base, especially their own base. Because they're the most credulous, and they're the ones being intellectually enslaved and towed along. So many get it, but not enough do. And we all know people who have had enough. People who were independents or even Democrats who are moving over now. But most are too afraid to say anything because they are afraid of the retaliation. And it's a real concern. The Democrats and their radical uh, left are, are evil in how they dox people, try to get people fired, try to ruin people's lives. It's it's disgusting. And two centuries ago, they would have hung for what they're doing. You know, But we have to protect these people who want to speak up. We have to help those people at least vote. If we can't talk, you know, take them voting with us, then we should help them register and vote absentee, if nothing else. Politics are a numbers game, and in more ways than one. And it starts with votes. None of these criminals are spineless gargoyles like Evers or Newsom or Ilhan Omar or occasional Cortex in New York. None of them get into office if we exercise our most important right, our voices, our right to vote. The GOP has continued to fail us. The party has continued to fail us in both strategy and candidate selection. We have to get comfortable doing what the left does so well, and that's grassroots organizing. And if we want to beat them, we have to be willing to play down to their level. We have to be willing to beat them on the playground as well as in the classroom. If, if you have the strength and courage to confront these imbeciles, I encourage you to do it. You know, I, I really want to know why none of them can answer a question without saying, but Trump. It's so disgusting. And why they keep saying, well, Biden will bring us together. As every speech he gives tears down Trump and his supporters, effectively dividing us even further. Keep challenging them, specifically in person. Ask them, hey, on your own, without looking it up right now, articulate even one of Biden's policies. Not this vague garbage of he wants to work with both sides to reform policing. But how will he do that? What exactly is it that he plans to do? They cannot answer these questions because they don't stand for anything. They don't know. There is nothing. It's empty. They only stand against everything. They have no ideas, only criticisms. They have no truths, only lies. They have no integrity, only deceitful manipulations. Wisconsin's 2018 gubernatorial election is a prime example of that. Okay, that's it for today, my friends. Keep an eye on each other. Stand up for each other. Stand up for the sanctity of your state constitutions and above all the U.S. Constitution. Have a great and safe Labor Day weekend out there. And hey, if you enjoy the show, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a minute to share it with your friends and family. Subscribe and leave me a review if you'd be so kind. Feel free to follow and engage with me on Parlor. My handle is at ExposingLibsBS. Or drop me an email at ExposingLiberalBS at gmail.com. I'm going to be putting a lot of this information from this podcast into a blog article as well, so it's in written form. Um, and I'll be putting that out in the next couple of days as well. Friends, it is time for all of us to passionately take action, and we the people have a proud history of doing just that. You've been listening to the Federalist Forum. Thank you for your listenership and for your patriotism as we fight together to preserve the founding principles of our constitutional republic. Until next time, sapientia est potentia. Wisdom is power. <laughs>